Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Hello, everyone. This is Kennard speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program for August 20th, uh, 2017. We're going to talk about a topic that I just having conversations with people uh, in the movement where people do understand they need to keep uh, the commandments, they need to keep all the instructions of the Bible, they really have a difficult time understanding that we have to suffer. Uh, people seem to think that if you obey his commandments, that everything's going to go okay, I'm not going to have any problems, uh, we shouldn't mention anything negative at all to anyone, and if we do, we're going to scare him away, and all this other ridiculous talk. And uh, there's no human being on earth, including Jesus or Yeshua, that did not say something negative out of their mouth, okay? It's not so much saying something negative is the reason why you're doing it, 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 it and does it, or is it going to have any positive result from it? So, you know, everything in life is not negative, but if your brain is working properly, I'm trying to say this in a nice way, <laughs> and if you're using it in, in the right way, then you should understand that this world is full of wickedness, full of violence, and full of unrighteousness, and you're going to unfortunately experience negative things. The key to dealing with anything that's negative is whether or not it's going to lead to something positive in the end. Even people throwing the lake of fire is going to be a positive thing because that individual, those few, and I really believe it's going to be the few in the end that's going to be thrown in the lake of fire, they don't want to obey God. They they will totally just walk away from him. And so God in his mercy is not going to allow those individuals to continue to be in that state forever and ever. So that's the first benefit. The second benefit is that these people won't affect other people who are trying to live a righteous life. And you have people preaching false doctrine that, oh, we should just tolerate people's sins even if they don't want to repent. Uh, and we could just accept anybody into our assemblies, gay people, lesbians, uh, and, and we love them. This is how we show that we love them. Well, no, it's not. I mean, it, See, people don't understand that love also involves correction. People want to avoid that fact that love, Involves correction 
And when I hear people preach about ahava or love, that's what love means in Hebrew, they don't they avoid that. They avoid the scriptures that say that you can't uh properly focus on love without the fact that it also involves correction and, and discipline. All right, in Hebrews 12, verse 5, let me read this to you. And you have completely forgotten the divine word of appeal and encouragement, which you are reasoned with and addressed as sons. My son, do not think lightly or scorn to submit to the correction and discipline of the master, nor lose courage and give up to faint when you are reproved and, and corrected by him. And this is what, you know, I, I know I was a father, you know, I was a son. And in both cases, I, I experienced rebellion. I was rebellious toward my dad, and I'm, I'm glad my dad spanked me. And I spanked my son, and it helped. I mean, he's really in a good situation right now. And uh, But I think he's starting to understand that it's necessary. And I even told him when he has kids, you're gonna, you better spank your kids. The Bible says if you don't spank them, you don't love them. And I, I'm not talking about beating the mess out of them, but lovingly spanked them, uh, preferably with their underwear on, okay, and 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 don't uh, lose control when you do it. Do it out of love and explain after you put them, hug them in. I try to do this with Kennard all the time, my my son, and hug him and say, hey, this is the reason why I did this, and say you love him. That's the reason why I did this, so you can stop doing. So it'll it'll influence you to stop doing uh, the evil behavior that you uh, display. So, and but God does us the same way, ladies and gentlemen. And most people, and I, I don't hear too many ministers really preaching this message, that love has a lot to do with correction. Verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 12, for the master corrects and disciplines everyone he loves. Let me repeat that two more times. For the master corrects and disciplines everyone whom he loves. Again, Hebrews 12 verse 6, for the master corrects and disciplines everyone whom he loves, and he punishes and even scourges every son whom he accepts and welcomes to his heart and cherishes. And I get persecuted even by people who you would think I'd be persecuted. Well, why are you suffering? How come you're struggling? La, 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 you know? And I'm going to show you some biblical examples today, and I hope you believe it, because that's the problem of most of our people, not only that are part of the 12 tribes of Israel today, but of the whole world. We don't want to listen to God's words. We don't want to be corrected. And that's the reason why, that's one of the major reasons why we suffer, because we don't want to be corrected. Verse 7, you must submit to and endure correction for discipline. In verse 7, it says, you must submit to and endure correction for discipline. God is dealing with you as with sons. But what son is there whom his father does not train and correct and discipline and this never ends folks i mean just because you're adult children doesn't mean you don't listen to the instruction of your father and you know sons that do this sons that do this don't get as blessed as they could if they don't hear the instruction of their father in proverbs 1 verse 8 my son hear the instruction of thy father it doesn't say, well, what if my father's wicked? Or No, of course, of course, if your father's wicked, if he's saying something wrong, don't listen to him. But if, if that wicked father is saying something that's good, 
Did you listen to it? All right, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the Torah of thy mother. So your father and your mother always will have some advice for you regardless of things that you may know that they don't know. And one of the things that your parents will always know more than you is how to live. And you must, as the Bible commands here, listen to the instruction of your father. And it's a commandment. Proverbs 4 verse 1, hear you children the instruction of your father and intend to know understanding. One of the commandments that has a promise to it, the first one, which is the most difficult for all of us to follow, unfortunately. Ephesians 6 verse 4, it says fathers, um, well, I'll read this to you because fathers, we have a role in this too. Do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. This is an amplified version of the Bible. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and the admonition of the Lord. And I did that a few times. I didn't do it often. But but uh, some fathers more than others, they, they provoke their children to anger. In other words, they overdid it. They overdid it. Like, let me give you an example. If you tell your children to pick up something off the floor and you give a 30-minute sermon about it, I mean, that that is that is overdoing it, folks. Overdo. You can't overdo anything. But anyway, Ephesians 6 verse 1 says, Children, obey your parents and the master. In other words, your parents need to be keeping the commandments too. They go tell you, well, go and rape some girl. Then, of course, you don't do that. So obey your parents and the Lord as long as what they're saying is not in violation of, of uh, common sense morals or, more importantly, the morals of God, then you are to obey them. All right? If my dad called me right now and said, Son, I need some help. Can you come here to Chicago to help me? I would help him. Okay? That, that's just an example of it. Um, if I could, I would help him. For this is just and right. All right? And in verse 2, it says, Honor, esteem, and value as precious your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Now, here's the key verse that most seem to understand. Verse 3. This is the promise. That all may be well with you, I say, he says all may be well with you, and that you may live long of the earth. Now, it doesn't mean you won't have problems, because that's what this study is about, but in the end, it will work out. It will work out. That's what he's saying. Okay? So, that's the important thing to understand. All right, so. I didn't know if I was going to talk about <laughs> the obvious issues that uh, we have with not obeying authority, in particular the authority of our parents. Uh, Jews teach, and this makes a lot of sense, that the fifth commandment certainly is the most difficult commandment for people to keep. And, yeah, I could vouch for that too, even though you know I'm, I'm a lot older now and I understand and I, I do the best I can to treat my elderly parents uh, with the utmost respect and honor for them because without them I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. I wouldn't be having the success that I'm having. And another thing, before we get into this, people are deceived by the devil and they think that success means making a lot of money and, and all this other stuff. And that, that that is not true. Let's go to Joshua. Joshua, chapter 1. Let's look at some basic scriptures about this. And this, this program may extend here because I, I, I really want 
and I desire and, and Yah desires for you to understand that you, you you can't equate suffering with wickedness all the time. And I know some people that I know very well that have a difficult time understanding that. They think, oh, if I'm suffering, oh, I must be doing something wrong. Not necessarily, folks. Not necessarily. And I'm going to prove that to you today. Yes, it's true. Biblically, you could be doing something wrong. Whenever you sin, you curse yourself. That's what the Bible is pretty plain about. However, there are some righteous people in the Bible that suffered. And it wasn't because they sinned. And that's what I'm going to try to cover today because most people don't understand that part of it. And some people don't even understand that Yeshua suffered. He suffered worse than any human being that ever lived. All right? So that's what people don't seem to understand. They don't understand that this life that we're living in, it involves suffering, folks. And why is that? Well, we made the choice. Our, unfortunately, our earthly father, our first one, Adam, Adam, made the choice, right? Adam and Eve. We made the choice to suffer. And this is recorded in Genesis. This is recorded in Genesis for our uh, teaching. And people want to ignore these verses and you know all, all the answers to the reason why we suffer. The reason why things are the way are in this Bible. You need to blow the dust off of it and read it and, uh, and believe what it says. That's what you need to do. Stop with all this whatever. But anyway, before I really get it. Anyway, Genesis 3, verse 17, it says, and, and to Adam he said, because you have hearkened unto the voice of your wife. That doesn't mean we shouldn't listen to our wives, but when our wives and some other people are obviously saying things that are against the scriptures, and I'm not saying wives, all wives do this on purpose, but some do, okay? Regardless of what his purpose or not, you're not supposed to listen to it. That's the reason why he said it this way. And what, and and Eve told Adam something that wasn't true, and he shouldn't have listened to it. Anyway, and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, Genesis 3, verse 17, of which I commanded thee, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sour shall you eat of it all the days of thy life. And in verse 18, Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and you shall eat the herb of the field. Now, verse 19 is what I want you to focus on. In the sweat of thy face, with great effort, thou shalt eat bread, and thou shalt return unto the ground, for out of it was you are, you are taken, and thus thou art, and unto thus you, you shall return. So right there, Adam, mankind, was cursed to work harder than what they should have because of what? Of sin. Okay, so God already told us that things would be difficult for us because of sin. So we need to stop scratching our heads and wondering why we all have to suffer. None of us need, uh, deserve to live. We need to be thanking God every day that we can wake up in the morning because none of us deserve this life, folks. It's only because of the shed blood of Jesus or Yeshua that we are still alive today. So we got to stop acting like uh, we're not supposed to suffer that, that Yeshua suffered for us so we don't have to. That is not a biblical principle. And if you are listening to any minister, any minister that is preaching that, you need to get away from his church because that is not the gospel of the kingdom of God, preaching that, well, Yeshua suffered so you don't have to. That is totally against the message 
of the great almighty God, and you need to run away from that false doctrine. And the Bible tells you in 1 John 4, verse 1, not to listen to any spirit. You have to test the spirits, whether they be of God or not. And I can guarantee you on my, my life <laughs> that any minister teaching you that you don't have to suffer at all, that Yeshua suffered for you so you don't have to, you need to run away from that minister because that is not accurate teaching at all, period. So I, I just got to tell you that. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard of the prophet Elijah, right? One of the greatest prophets who ever lived. And so you would think just based on that, he had everything. He was rich. He had money. He didn't have any problems. Everything just went smoothly with him, right? No. All right, let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. And let's hear what the master, this, this program more than likely is going to go over, okay? And, you know, I can tell that God wants me to really, really give a good message so you people, people that I love and, and God loves, will understand that suffering is a major part of living God's way of life, all right? 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. And the word of the master came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. And he says, this is what he's telling the great prophet Elijah. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Okay, stop the press. A widow woman to sustain the great prophet Elijah. Oh, Elijah must be a sinner. Oh, he must be doing something wrong, right? Oh! He's condemned. Well, where in this scripture do you see that Elijah is condemned? See, we're putting thoughts into the scriptures, and that is a, an interpretation method called eisegesis that you need to get away from. All right? So anyway, it, this is an incredible scripture. Here's the prophet Elijah who is going to come into this. He's probably already alive right now. There's another Elijah that's going to come in, 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 in this first Elijah spirit. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had issues like this, too. The second Elijah had issues. He was wandering around in the wilderness, eating locusts and honey. So was there something wrong with him, too, because he didn't have money? Come on, we got to stop letting the devil get a hold of us. So anyway, 1 Kings 17, verse 9, Arise, and get thee to Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a woman, a widow woman, and widow women are poor, most of them. They're, to, they're a symbol of poverty. So I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. In verse 10, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Verse 11, and I've heard some people have persecuted me because I've asked, and they continue to do so, because I've needed to ask people for help. And so I get persecuted for that. Oh, I must be doing something wrong. Oh, it's, it's something wrong with me. No, you, you can't make that assumption. You've got to get all the facts. All right? Verse 10, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering his sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in the vessel that I may drink. In verse 11, as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. So he had to, look. What's the Hebrew word for this? Let me take a look at it here. Kings chapter 17, verse 9. 
sustain. It's cool. And it means to, to maintain, to feed, to provide substance, sustenance. So God commanded, this is an incredible scripture, God commanded that Elijah totally depend on a widow, who, which is a symbol of poverty, ladies and gentlemen. All right? Remember the widow's mite? All right, so anyway, and that scripture about the widow's mite, it doesn't say that a widow should give all the, you got to look at the context of that. And he was talking about before that event happened, how the Pharisees devour widows' homes. And then that was an example of it, her giving her offering. So in verse 11, and as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Verse 12, and she said, As the Lord God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son. I will be right back here. Give me about 20 seconds. All right, sorry about that. All right, so where did I, where did I, where did I leave off at here? I'll tell you, sometimes we had the distractions of life here. <laughs> but anyway, verse 12, And she said, As the Lord has lived, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in the cruise. So she didn't hardly have nothing. This is an excellent example. And I hope people that persecute me and other people that maybe not 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 rich. Most ministers, true ministers of God, folks, don't have a lot of money. I'm telling you that right now. I'm talking about true ministers, not all these other ones out here just preaching a false version of the Bible. And there's many of them, okay? I am a true minister of God. Yes, and I do suffer. Yes, and I do suffer financially at times, but not to the point of being totally uh, not sustained. And I'm going to explain that to you today. And there's other people. And I would advise you greatly, if these people are living, doing the best they can to live a right life and they prove it and they're struggling, I would, I, I'm going to warn you right now, don't you continue to persecute them and think they're doing something wrong. Because I guarantee you, God's going to let you know that he doesn't like that. So I'm just warning you, all right? And I, need, and I just hope that you pay attention to this teaching, that I know God is inspiring you and me to understand and to, to realize that suffering is not always for wickedness, okay? So verse 12, uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. And she said, as the master thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat and die. And so things were so messed up for her. Again, widow, being a widow was a sign of poverty. And so obviously in this verse, this widow here, <laughs> Elijah's asking <laughs> this widow to help him sustain him because God said this widow would sustain him and the widow was saying hey I, ain't, I don't have nothing I only have something barely enough for my son and me and she thought she was going to die that's how things it was so bad for her in verse 13 and Elijah said unto her fear not go and do as thou see that's the problem that's why I try to explain 
this individual that complains to me about all these things. This individual, she fears, and other people fear. They fear. What is the Hebrew word for fear? Is in this context is yare, yare. Okay, and it means to be afraid. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as you have said, but make me there a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee for thy son. Now see, most prophets, all the prophets of God, the true prophets, they had faith. Now certainly they struggled with it at times, but they were a good example of faith or trust. That's the, really the Hebraic way of understanding it. They, Elijah had great trust. And what God said. And what did God say? Because God can't lie. He said, in verse 9, Arise, get thee to, First uh, Kings 17, verse 9, Arise, and get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, most of us is like, well, how can a widow who can't even take care of herself and her son sustain me? But he didn't question that. He didn't question God. He trusted what God said. And that's a, 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 that's one of the major doctrines of God, trust in faith. And most people have a difficult time believing what God says. And that's the reason why they look at people like me and other people who may be suffering in, in, in ways that you don't understand because you don't study the Bible like you should and you don't believe what it said. All right, so... Uh, Getting over here, this is a, a fantastic example, and I thank you, y'all, for inspiring me to use this because this is a perfect example of how someone that's righteous can suffer for righteousness' sake. So anyway, very good example. First uh, Kings 17, verse 13, and Elijah said, Fear not, and go and do as thou hast said, but make me there a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and thy son. Verse 14, For thus says the master, God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the master sent of rain upon the earth. And this was during the time of the great famine uh, of the earth that Elijah prophesied that would occur. And so this was in a, a very difficult time. In verse 15, and she went and did according to the saying of Eliyahu or Elijah, and she said, and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail. According to the word of the God, the word of the master, which he spoke by Elijah. So you guys need to really take this scripture down and memorize it, okay? Uh, or at least know where it's at. First Kings 17, verse 8 to 16. And there's many other examples in the Bible, folks. But I think that is one of the most ultimate because... There's going to be another one in this spirit, and more than likely this individual is going to be struggling too financially because um, all the other Elijahs did. So there's a good assumption uh, that the third Elijah will too. But it says in Malachi 4, verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That's when the God comes back. Verse 6, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers. In other words, this this great prophet is going to be someone that's in favor of repairing the breach of families, repairing families, and helping them to understand that God wants a family 
and he wants families on this earth to get along with each other and to love each other. And that certainly begins with the heart of the fathers, because they are, they are the leaders, to turn to their children. And the heart of the children, and this really this word in Hebrew means sons, because the fathers and sons are the leaders of society. If fathers and sons don't get along, all of society will crumble. And so a part of my ministry, and, you know, I, I don't claim to be Elijah, but I certainly, certainly uh, think like him. And I act like him. Okay, so um, I'm, I feel motivated to preach Elijah's message. And so that is the truth. Now, whether I'm Elijah or not, I don't know. But I tell you one thing, I'm passionate about his message. I can't lie about that. And, and I understand his message. And I preach his message. And whoever this Elijah is, that's going to be his responsibility. Um, to another responsibility of Elijah is to preach the truth about the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and also preach the truth about who Israel is. Because if you don't know who Israel is, as the first chapter of Isaiah says, if people don't know who the true God is, they, they really don't know who they are. And um, that's a part of uh, the sages correctly preached that, Part of Elijah's job also is to give information and knowledge about who those tribes are. Because how can you understand family if you don't understand where you come from? That's why we have genealogies in the Bible. And so that's it's very important. And if you want to know the truth about the tribes, uh, go to www.britam.org. That's www.britam.org. And get that information. And understand that the British people, the countries in Northwestern Europe, Austria, South Africa, New Zealand, uh, Canada, we are all a part of the so-called Ten Lost Tribes of Israel. But you'll get more information about that. Also, my book that I recently wrote, my e-book, uh, www. You can go to www.howgodcalls with an s at the end dot com and get that book, How God Calls you to understand his instructions, Torah. And I do have a section in there that explains who the tribes of Israel are, who Israel is in the first place, because most people don't understand that. That's a part of the Elijah work. That's a part of uh, whoever Elijah is. He will preach the truth about those things. And I've studied these things in detail. And I think I'm going to give a program in the future about who Elijah is and what Elijah will be preaching about. And so I think we all need to know that. So anyway... That's the context of Elijah here, and more than likely the, the third Elijah also will be having financial issues and problems, folks. So I really hope you inculcate that particular scripture in your being, and I'm going to go over today um, because I know that Yah wants me to because this is a very important topic. I want to cover very important scriptures on this. People are confused about success, and they equate success with making a lot of money, and that's not what the Bible teaches. So... Let's go to Joshua chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This is the definition of success. And I, I try to teach this, and, of course, I get rebuked in, 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 a, in a negative way and, and persecuted because of it. Joshua 1, verse 8. This book of the Torah, or instruction, shall not depart out of thy mouth, and 
You shall meditate there and day and night. I've been persecuted about preaching this. How can we think about the Bible every night? Well, in Genesis, day and night. Uh, in Genesis, it says people were thinking wicked all day, too. So if you can think wicked all day and night, I'm sure you can think righteously all day and night as well. So anyway, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. But then you shall make thy way prosperous, and you shall have good success. And prosperous means uh, you will have what you need. That's what that's talking about. It's not saying that you're going to be rich, you know, and, and have all kinds of things. And, you know, everybody wants to desire to be like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I understand that. But life is not about having riches. Uh, Yeshua didn't have a lot of riches when he was on the earth. And neither did his followers. A lot of them didn't. Some did. Most didn't. All right? And then in verse 9 it says, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the master thy God is with thee wherever you go. Joshua 1, verse 8 to 9. And that example, starting in 1 Kings 17, verse 8, of the widow sustaining Elijah incredibly and miraculously through the help of Yah. And see, that's a good example. It shows you that God can sustain you if you believe him, and he will provide what you don't have. He'll do it miraculously, and I can vouch for that because my whole life is a miracle. All right, my whole life is certainly a miracle, and I'm sure that some of you listening to me, some things have happened to you that were outright miracles. That didn't make any sense other than the fact that God did it. And we have to, we can't, we can't be dependent on ourselves, folks, and call ourselves believers. God wants us to be totally dependent on him. We can't be self-sustaining. There's no such thing as that. <laughs> Without God allowing us to wake up and, and allowing oxygen, we would be dead. So there's no such thing as that we do everything ourselves and we don't need God or anyone else. That, that's, a, that's a false doctrine. Okay, so. Let's go to this scripture here um, in 1 Peter 4, verse 12 to 19. That's one of the key scriptures I have for the program. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you. And again, I get people that are close to me. They're surprised at what I'm going through. And what does the scripture says? It says, don't be surprised. And yet we say, oh, we want to be surprised. Well, we've got to believe what the Bible says, folks. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery, not an ordeal, not just an ordeal, a fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. And I hope this person or people that had issues with this and seeing other people suffering and, and them say, I hope you understand and believe this scripture because this is a scripture that should correct you. All right, beloved. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing. So if you are surprised, you're sinning, as though some strange thing were happening to you, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ. <laughs> we're supposed to share the sufferings of Christ. Again, we're supposed to share the sufferings of Christ, and you know what Christ went through. Most people did not respect him. In John 7, verse 7, it said, that the whole world hated him. The majority of people hated what he said. Why? Because he testified of their wickedness, and they didn't want to hear that they were doing something wrong. And so we got to share in that suffering. And I get persecuted. Well, how come your ministry is not you know, have a lot of people? Well, because it's prophesied not to have a lot of people. Yeshua's ministry didn't have a lot of people. 
ministry is not about having a lot of people. It's about having the right people fellowshipping with you and learning how to love and understanding that God is not calling everybody right now. He's going to eventually. But right now he's calling a wife, a bride. When you look for a wife, and if you're doing it in a biblical way, you're not going to look for any woman. You're going to look for a special woman, a woman that's compatible with you. Well, it's no different, it's no different for God. God's son is going to look for the woman that is compatible to him. Once that happens, then there is an explosion of children. Be fruitful and multiply. That's what this is all about. In the end, most people will get it. Most people will be saved. That's the good news. So anyway, but it says, But to the degree that you shall share the sufferings of the Messiah. Keep on rejoicing. And we're supposed to rejoice because we're sharing in the sufferings of Messiah, and most of us, including myself, don't do that at times. And we, we all need to repent of that. And so when we share the sufferings of Christ, we need to keep on rejoicing so that also after, instead of mourning and, uh, uh, moaning and complaining, which unfortunately our people have a history of doing, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Messiah, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. If you are reviled for the name of the Messiah, you are blessed. And so when people put me down because I preach the truth about the true Jesus of the Bible, it says I'm blessed, but I get people saying that I'm cursed because of that. If you are reviled for the name of Messiah, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And so if I'm being hated and persecuted for the name of Messiah, it says that I'm blessed, and it says that the spirit of glory of God rests on me, and that's for anyone else. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, as a believer, he is not to be ashamed. And people are trying to shame me. People who know me are trying to shame me. And they don't know what they're doing. And I hope they're listening to this and repent of that. If anyone suffers as the Messiah, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glory, glorify God in this name. But if anyone suffers as the Messiah, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Yes, the gospel is something to be obeyed. If it's, if it's to be obeyed, it means it has rules and regulations to follow. And people say the law has been done away with. And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved. Let me repeat that two more times so it can burn in your brains. And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved. And if it is with difficulty, that the righteous is saved. It's not going to be easy, folks. This is not the easy path. What did Yeshua say in Matthew 7, verse 14? If you're choosing the, the easy path, you need to stop listening to me and others that are preaching the truth. This is not the easy path, folks. If you're looking for easy street, this is not the street. This is difficult street. Matthew 7, verse 14, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads into life, 
and few there be that find it because most people don't want to go through the difficulties. They don't want to go through the persecutions. They don't want to suffer. They don't want to hunger. They don't want to do all these things. They want everything easy. And this way of life, God's true way of life is not easy. Now, are there blessings? Yes. But there's sufferings along with the blessings. And you must understand that. That's why I'm being a little stern here. Because this is one of the greatest deceptions by the devil. That is perpetrated in most of these Protestant churches. They, a lot of them preach a gospel of prosperity. Oh, if you're obeying, everything's going to be okay. You're never going to get sick. Everything's going to be okay. You'll always have lots of money to do what you need. Not true. That's a lie. That is a lie. And so it says, and it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved. What will become of the godless man and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will, it is God's will that we suffer. Who are you to try to say that is not? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Now, here is a blunt statement by the master himself. In John 16, verse 33, in the King James Version of the Bible, Please get your Bibles out. Please, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to get your Bible out, and please read this. This is so important for you to do. John 16, verse 33. Especially those who think that Yeshua promised that everything's going to be okay and we're not going to have any problems. Go, go ahead and look at John 16, verse 33. All right, I hope you have your Bible. John 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. However, in the world you shall have tribulation. You are going to have problems. You cannot run away from them. You can't pretend they're not going to be there. You are going to have problems. In the world you shall have tribulation. This is red letters in your King James Bible. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. We're supposed to be of good cheer. Even in tribulation, I have overcome the world. And he says in John 15, verse 18 to 20, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, being not of the world means you keep the Sabbath. You keep the holy days. You keep the clean and unclean. Meet instructions in the Bible. And I guarantee you, you do those things, you are not of the world. And we're not supposed to be of the world. And what does the Protestant churches teach? The law has been done away with. Because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, you come out of the world by keeping the Sabbath, keeping the holy days. Keeping it clean and ugly. I guarantee you keep those three things, you will be persecuted and you will certainly be set apart. And God's people are set apart or should be. Not that they are better than anyone. It's that they're living God's way of life, which is better than everyone's way. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember, the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his master. If they have persecuted me, and they did, 
they will also persecute you. However, it works the other way around, too. If they kept my saying, they will keep yours also. If. Condition. These are very powerful scriptures that will destroy any thought that you have about suffering is always uh, the, the person's fault and God is cursing them. And I hope, for your sake, that you believe these scriptures. Now, I'm going to be going off the air in a few minutes, but this program, I don't know how long this program is going to be as long as it needs to be. So I could really teach the truth about this. So may y'all bless and keep you. And y'all willing, I'll be available to you next week. And please uh, listen to the archive. All right, I'm going to continue on with this very important Bible studies. I'm in the uh, recorded session of this program. So, let's continue on with this. So, we did the uh, example of Elijah, and I'm just going to quote certain other scriptures here. I'm sure you know of the suffering of Job and Joseph. If you don't, I suggest you read the entire book of Job and Joseph. I'm sure a lot of us have not suffered like they did. Um, And then here we complain. Acts 14, verse 22. Acts 14, verse 22 states the following. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. We, through much tribulation, must enter into the kingdom of God, folks. This is not an easy thing. It, it, it can be done, and it will be done with most people. Stand that you did not choose the easy road. This is not the easy road, folks. You know, it's not the easy road. All right, so 1 Peter 2, verse 18. 1 Peter 2, verse 18. says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the forward. So it says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the forward. Uh, And forward means people who don't treat you with respect. And that's something that I'm learning. You know, and I'm learning to, to, to take abuse from people. But there's a limit to that, of course, but we need to do as much as possible. Be subject to your masters of all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward, the perverse. Verse 19, for this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. And so it, it, it states incredibly that this is something that God, let me read in the Amplified Version. It says, for one is, um, well, let me, let me read this in the Amplified, First Peter 2, verse 18. It says, household servants, be submissive to your masters of all proper respect, not only to those who are kind and considerate and reasonable, but also to those who are Surely, and I don't know if that translation is correct as far as household service, but it says service. We all should be serving uh, God and humanity. Verse 19, for one is regarded favorably, is approved, acceptable, and thankworthy if, as in the sight of God, he endures the pain of unjust suffering. And so we're supposed to endure the pain of unjust suffering, folks. That's what it says, verse 20. Uh, After all, what kind of glory is it if, when you do wrong, you are punished for it, you take it patiently? But if you bear patiently with suffering, which results when you do right, and that is undeserved, it is acceptable and pleasing to God. 
And in verse 21, it says, for even to this we were called. We were called to suffer. And people just don't get it. But we were called to suffer. It is inseparable from your victory. For Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his footsteps. And people have misapplied this toward following his footsteps. Yes, 1 John 2 verse 6 says that. But this is talking about also imitating how he was suffered, how he, how he was suffering. To imitate his suffering. That's what it's saying. Verse 22. He was guilty of no sin. Neither was deceit, guile ever found on his lips. Verse 23. When he was reviled and insulted, he did not revile or offer insult in return. He was abused and suffered. He made no threats. But he trusted himself and everything to him who judges fairly. And see, I, I'm, I'm learning how to do that. I, I just recently uh, experienced a situation where this scripture certainly applies to me. And I hope the person that 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 knows me and and was uh, telling me certain things, I hope this individual reads this scripture too and understand this is what we're supposed to do, and not just this particular individual, but anyone. We're supposed to, in verse twenty. After all, what glory is it if when you do wrong you are punished for it and you take it patiently? But if you bear patiently with suffering, when you do right. And that is undeserved, and that's what I need to start doing, and I'm going to do it. But if you bear patiently with suffering, which results when you do right, and that is undeserved, it is acceptable and pleasing to God. And so, for even to this, I was called to do this. I understand this now. I'm correcting myself here by reading the scripture. For even to this you were called, Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow his footsteps. He was guilty of no sin, neither was deceit ever found his lips when he was reviled and insulted, which I was a couple of weeks ago. He did not revile or offer insult in return. He was abused, yes, I was, and suffered. He made no threats, but see, I, I didn't make any threats, but I got angry. And But he trusted himself to everything who judges fairly. And so, you know, when I when I give a teaching, I get corrected, and I learn things. And, and uh, that's the way it should be when we're reading the Scriptures. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to 38. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 to 38. He said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace upon the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. This is a scripture that I don't hear quoted too often, but, but it's there. Verse 35, For I have come to part asunder a man from his father, and a daughter from his mother, and a newly married wife from her mother-in-law. And I get persecuted too when I teach people that that's what happened to me. And they say, well, don't bring that up. Well, this is in the scriptures. I'm going to bring it up, Okay. Uh, verse 36, and a man's foes would they be of his own household. Yes, that's true. And that will happen. <clears throat> Sorry about that. In verse 37, he who loves and takes more pleasure in father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves and takes more pleasure in son and daughter more than me is not worthy. We can't take our physical family or anyone's family more so than God. In verse 38, and he who does not take up his cross and follow me steadfastly to me, confirming wholly to my example in living, and if need be, in dying also, it's not worthy of me. And, you know, if, if the Bible is all about saving yourself, this is what he says in Matthew 10, verse 39, whoever finds his lower life will lose it, the higher life, and whoever loses his lower life on my account will find it, the higher life. Okay, so these are scriptures I hope that you are believing, folks. This is all in the Bible. Romans 8, verse 18 to 23, but it's not all bad news for suffering. I, I want to tell you that. Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 18 to 23. Romans chapter 8, 
verse 18 to 23, states the following. But what of that? For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, this present life, are not worth being compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us and for us and conferred on us. Verse 19. For even the whole creation of all nature waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be named to be made known, waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. Verse 20, for the creation nature was subjected to futility, not because of some intentional fault on this part, but by the will of him who so subjected it. Verse 21, that nature, creation itself, will be set free from its bondage to decay and corruption and to the glorious freedom of God's children. Verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been moaning together in the pains of labor until now, verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves too, who have and enjoy the first fruits of the Spirit, a foretaste of the blissful things to come, grown inwardly as we wait for the redemption of our bodies from sensuality in the grave, which will reveal our adoption station as God's sons. That's a beautiful, beautiful scripture, and we need to to understand what he promises in that area, all right? And it's an incredible, incredible thing. And so in verse 17 is the key verse of this, Romans 8, verse 17, and if we are his children, if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with the Messiah, sharing in his inheritance with him, only we must share his suffering too. We've got to share his suffering. And I tell you, the people that claim to be believers that I'm around me, a lot of them don't want to share in his suffering. But they want every they want the benefits of the kingdom, but they don't want to suffer. Only we must share his suffering if we are to share his glory. Sure, the gospel is about benefits. It's about getting fantastic things. But it's going to be mixed with suffering, ladies and gentlemen. If people aren't preaching that, they need to be corrected. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says here, For no temptation, no trial regarding as enticing to sin, no matter how it comes or where it leads, has overtaken you and laid hold unto you that is not common to man. And, you know, everyone suffers in the world, folks, even rich people. That is, no temptation or trial has come to you that is beyond human resistance and that is not adjusted and adapted and belonging to human experience. And, and such as man can bear. But God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature, and he can be trusted not to let you be tempted and tried and to save beyond your ability and strength of resistance and power to endure. But with the temptation, he will always also provide the way out, the means of escape to a landing place, that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear it up under it patiently. And see, that's the key. We've got to develop patience among the suffering, and a lot of times the reason why we suffer is God is trying to uh, develop patience, patience. He's trying to develop patience within us, and patience is is really, uh, patience is something that we all need to work on. We need to, to work on the patience, ladies and gentlemen. So so it, it, it's, it's, it's very important to, to understand that. we got to Work on the patience part. You got to work on the patience part. That, that's very important for us to understand that. Uh, in James one verse four, we're going to go over that scripture, but it states in that verse that let patience have its perfect work, so that you will not lack 
anything, that you won't lack anything. You see, and the reason why, and I explained this uh, at this youth camp that I went to, the reason why people uh, lack things, um, we just don't understand the principle of being patient, of being patient. And then and this is a beautiful scripture here, Romans 8, verse 28. It says, and we know that all things work together for good, all things, even things we make mistakes on and everything, to them that love God, to them to them who are of, who are called according to his promise. You know, and that and that is a fantastic scripture to inculcate within your being and, and to understand that God is going to be with you and he's going to to help you even, uh, he says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. All things, your, your, your trials, your suffering, and so forth. And so you have to remember that. And I just, I just hope this Bible study is going to inspire you to stop thinking that every time I'm suffering, it's, it's a curse from God. I mean, that, that is not incorrect thinking, and it's not biblical. Uh, Philippians 1, verse 29 states the following. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Messiah, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. He's supposed to suffer for his sake. Okay. <laughs> and if you don't like these scriptures, then you, you got some issues. And I have to question whether or not you even have God's spirit working with you, let alone being in you, if you feel that what I'm saying to you is not true. Philippians 4, verse 12. And this is Paul here. He states, I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound. And let me read this in an easier version for you to understand here. The Amplified. He says, I know how to be a base and live humbly in straightened circumstances, and I know also how to enjoy plenty and live in abundance. And so he knew how to do either or. He says, I have learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation, whether well-fed or going hungry, having a sufficiency and enough to spare or going without and being in want. And then he states here in verse 13, I have strength for all things in Messiah who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. That's how we are self-sufficient through Messiah. And then he says in verse 14, but it was right and commendable and noble of you to contribute for my needs and to share my difficulties with me. And see, that's true religion, folks, and, and pure religion. And James 1, verse 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to to uh, to attend to, to widows and the fatherless in their affliction. That's symbolic, of course, of those who are in need and great need, and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. And, and you know, and, and that was quoted by James, uh, but Paul agreed with him, and you can see it in here. And and uh, we, we should be helping each other. That's a part of living the gospel, the kingdom of God life, is helping each other and showing that you truly do love. You can't just say, I love and don't do anything. Uh, in 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, states the following here. Indeed, all who delight in piety and are determined to live a devoted and godly life in Christ Jesus will meet with persecution will be made to suffer because of their religious stance. Okay? This is all in your, your Bibles, folks. And if this sounds like Greek to you, 
uh, pun intended, I guess, because the New Testament was written in Greek, then you need to study this. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 to 9, states, In the days of his flesh, Jesus, or Yeshua, offered up definite special petitions for that which he not only wanted but needed, and supplications with strong crying and tears. I've been persecuted because I cried. Well, Yeshua cried too. All right? With strong, and I've strongly cried. And I can relate to this because it happens to me. Strong crying and tears to him who was always able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence toward God. Yes, I know from experience, you cry out to God in tears, he's going to hear you. He will hear you. His godly fear, his piety, and that he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of the Father. Verse 8, although he was a son, he learned special obedience through what he suffered. He suffered. That's how you learn obedience. The master, the most perfect, I mean, most perfect, the only perfect human being on the earth also suffered. So it makes us think we're not going to suffer. See, that's the devil deceiving uh, anyone to think that this life is not about suffering because we had a perfect man on the earth that suffered. But see, the false doctrine and gospel that's preached, well, he suffered for us so we don't have to. No, no, no. He suffered so that you can share in his suffering, so that you can become also perfect like he is. He was already perfect, but he became more perfect and more complete. But with us, we're going to be just becoming complete because unlike him, we got issues. He didn't have any issues. He was perfect. And he just became more perfect. Hebrews 5, verse 8, although he was a son, he learned active special obedience through what he suffered, in verse 9, and his completed experience making him perfectly equipped, he became the author and source of eternal salvation to all those who give heed and obey him. So you have to obey him. He's the word of God. He's this entire Bible, folks. He's the entire Bible. That may sound strange to you, but let me quote this scripture, because I always got scriptures. All right. John 5, verse 37, And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. Not one of you has ever given ear to his voice or seen his form, his face, what he is like. You have always been deaf to his voice and blind to the vision of him. And then verse 38, And you have not his word, his thought living in your hearts, because you do not believe and adhere to and trust in him and rely on him whom he has sent. This is why you do not keep his message living in you, because you do not believe in the messenger whom he has sent. And so that's a very powerful scripture to prove that the God of the Old Testament was Yeshua or Jesus, and that's another Bible study. All right, so Mark 10, verse 30. Mark 10, verse 30. Let's take a look at that. Mark 10, verse 30. I've got to move it along here. It says, Who will not receive, talking about us, those who uh, have the Spirit working with them or inside of them right now and being trained to, to be his bride and wife, who will not receive a hundred times as much now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands and, with persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. I think some people, a lot of people, I guess, I don't know, but a good portion, they want to erase with persecution. But we're going to receive many blessings with persecution. Mark 10, verse 30. And so everything's not going to be easy, folks. All right, and unfortunately, in this push-button society, we expect things to be easy, and, and they're not going to be easy, folks. I, I would be lying to you to say otherwise. Second uh, Corinthians chapter ten, verse. Uh, sorry, uh, what is it? Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse ten. Verse ten. 
So for the sake of Messiah, I am well pleased to take pleasure in infirmities, insults, hardships, persecutions, perplexities, and distresses. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am truly strong, able power, and divine strength. And that is a principle. And so we, we need to take pleasure in the I know it's hard, but that's what the Master is telling us to do and using Paul to tell us to do this. Second Corinthians 12, verse 10. For the sake of Messiah, I am well pleased to take pleasure in infirmities, insults, hardships, persecutions, perplexities, and distresses. For when I am weak in human strength, then am I truly strong, able, powerful, and divine strength. And divine strength. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11 and 13. It says, to this hour, and these are apostles, okay? You would think apostles would, oh, they'll have it easy. Everything is so easy with them because they have the most power and they have they are the greatest example, right, uh, other than Messiah and the Father, right? Well, that's wrong. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 11, to this hour we have gone both hungry and thirsty. We uh, habitually wear but one undergarment and shiver in the cold. We are roughly knocked about and wander around homeless, verse 12. And we still toll unto weariness for our living, working hard with our own hands. When men revile us, wound us with accused sting, we bless them. When we are persecuted, we take it patiently and endure it. And that's something we all need to work on. Verse 13, when we are slandered and defamed, we try to answer softly and bring comfort. We have been made and are now the rubbish and filth of the world. Okay? That's what the apostles are, ladies and gentlemen. That's the definition. That's the true definition of an apostle. And Yeshua is an apostle. Hebrews 3, verse 1. He was the, he's the chief apostle. And he went through this. And this is what we have to go through. Uh, if you certainly want to be an apostle or have better the, the gift of apostleship. I don't think people... When they aspire to be an apostle, they don't know what they're getting themselves into. Second Corinthians 6, verse 4 to 10. Second Corinthians 4, verse 6 to 10. And this is what ministers go through. And I don't hear these scriptures quoted because these aren't favorite scriptures to quote. All right? uh, but I don't care. I'm going to preach the truth and, and nothing but the truth, so help me Yah or God. Second Corinthians 6, verse 4. But we commend ourselves in every way as the true servants of God, the true servants of God, and this is in the Amplified Version, through great endurance and tribulation and suffering and hardships and privations and sore straits and calamities. This true servants of God go through this, folks. You can't separate the suffering. You can't get rid of it, okay? And beatings, imprisonments, I haven't been in prison yet, but I've been beat, certainly physically, and I've been beat spiritually. Riots, labors, yes, I've had many jobs. Sleepless watching, yes, I've had times when I did not go to sleep. Hunger, by innocence, impurity, knowledge, and spiritual insight, long-suffering, and patience, kindness, and the Holy Spirit, and unfeigned love. By speaking the word of truth and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand to attack and for the left hand to defend. Verse 8. Amid honor and dishonor and defaming and evil report and in praise and good report, we are branded as deceivers, yes, imposters, and yet vindicated as truthful and honest. This is certainly me and any true, and I mean true, minister of God. Verse 9. We are treated as unknown and ignored, yes, by the world. And I'm ignored also by the people who claim most, a lot of, a good portion. I'm, I'm not respected like I should, but this is prophesied to be. And yet we are well known and recognized by God and his people. Well, for some of them, not all of them. 
as dying, and yet here we are alive, as chastened by suffering, and yet not killed. Verse 10, as greed and mourning, yet we are always rejoicing as poor ourselves, yet bestowing riches on many, as having nothing, yet in reality possessing all things. Yes, when you look at it spiritually, I'm very rich. But if you're just looking at the temporal thing, I'm not rich. Okay, and most true servants of God don't have a lot of money. Okay, so that's something that you need to understand. And if you don't understand that, then there's nothing more I can do to help you other than pray for you. Deuteronomy chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Now, remember Yeshua, when the devil was tempting him, uh, he quoted this scripture from Deuteronomy. But this is the context. This is what's surrounding the verse. And I want you to pay attention to this. Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. All the commandments which I command you this day you shall be watchful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the master swore to give to your fathers. Verse 2. And you shall earnestly remember all the way which the master your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you to know what was in your mind and heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So this is one of the reasons why suffering can be righteous. God wants to test you to see whether you would keep his commandments or not. It doesn't mean that you're being wicked all the time when you suffer. And he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you recognize and personally know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds out the mouth of the master. So this is in the context of keeping all the commandments. And, and Yeshua quoted the scripture in Matthew 4, verse 4, and yet what does the Protestant churches teach? Well, you don't have to keep all of them. You don't have to keep the Sabbath. You don't have to keep the Holy Day. And you, don't, you can eat whatever meat you want. And like I said, those three commandments set you apart. If you don't believe me, try doing it. And see, people are going to think you're weird for doing it. You know, even Peter warned us about this, that people would think you are strange because you are doing these things. All right, in First Peter, I think this is in First Peter. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, First Peter, chapter four. Um, actually, no, that's this isn't it. Let me uh, see if I can find it here. Here we go. First Peter four. Yes, in First Peter four, starting in verse one. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for that. He, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So he suffered so that we can change our lives, not so we don't do nothing because he, he did it for us. Verse 3, for the, time, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the, of the Gentiles when we walk in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Verse 4. Wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. All right? And so, that you know, people are going to think you're strange when you do these things. But, but what does God command us to do? What does God command us to do? Corinthians chapter 6, this is what he says. This is what he says. In verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked, Together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Messiah with Belial? And what part 
as he that believeth with an infidel. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Master, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and you will be a father, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And so I have a few other scriptures to quote, but I think I've quoted enough. I think you get it. Let me give you some other scriptures here. Uh, James 1, verse 2 to 4, Revelation 2, verse 6, Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you understand that suffering is not always a curse from God and that we are commanded to suffer. Yes, suffering is a requirement for those who believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. If you have it in your heart to give to this ministry, please go to www.mercifulserviceofgod.com and click the yellow donate button, and please uh, contribute uh, your gifts. Uh, I certainly need them, and uh, it is commanded. If you want to mail a check of money order, please make it out to Kennard Brown and mail it to 6539 Harrison Avenue, Suite 1091, Cincinnati, Ohio, 45247. May Yah bless and keep you. And Yah willing, I will be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.